our scripture this morning is about Paul and Silas in Berea. It's found in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. It says this, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tom. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Um, if you're new here and we haven't met, uh, my name is Matt Ortiz. I'd love to meet you after uh, the service if we have a few extra minutes. Um, we are in a series called Back to Our Roots. Uh, looking at different churches in different cities throughout the book of Acts. Last week, we took a little break, but we did see that God's word is powerful because God's word is a person. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. And while it's not the only way we engage God, reading his word, hearing his word is critical to knowing God and to to experience God. I mean, Christians are to be disciples who are learners who read God's word. I mean, it just goes hand in hand. This morning, I have three simple points and two challenges. Challenges that I think if if we take them to heart, it'll not only change your heart and your life, but also help you to be a blessing to those that God has placed in your life. You know, in this series, we've been looking at the very first churches And they're found in the book of Acts, and and we're asking God to show us the kind of church that he wants us to be. And today we're looking at the church in in Berea. Now, the last church we looked at was the church in Thessalonica, and and how the people there were opposed, uh, the, the Christians there were opposed by the city officials and the religious establishment. And, and many of those same oppressors then traveled 50 miles by foot to stamp out the, the Christians and their message here in Berea. But it didn't work. The oppression backfired. The Bereans were uh, an eager learning community. And what we see with the Bereans here is that, is that they show us that the power has, the truth has power. And so we're going to learn from them by looking at characteristics of a learning church. And first thing, right off the bat, we see that they were open-minded. They were open-minded, not like the religious establishment in Thessalonica. Verse 11 says, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The word noble originally meant, you know, those of high birth, but it came to be known as a term for, for those of a high mind. It's a, it was synonymous with those who were open-minded. So the Apostle Paul, he rolls into town, starts teaching this gospel message about King Jesus. 
And it was totally new to these Bereans. They did not immediately reject it like the Thessalonians did. They were open-minded. They gave it a proper hearing. And having an open mind, instead of just digging into your, you know, confirmation bias, being open-minded increases our ability to learn objective truth. It's, it's a humble thing to have an open mind. The, the scriptures are, are often dismissed as, as nothing more than some ancient document that's not relevant for us today. today. And, and if that's you, I want to encourage you to have an open mind and, and let the word speak for itself. Because only then, when you listen to the word and you read it for yourself, only then can you evaluate it. Now, I want to tell you something. Christians can be closed-minded too, amen? We're tempted to pick and choose parts of Scripture that we like and want to believe. And then there are sections that we're tempted to reject because we haven't examined the Scripture with an open mind. I humbled myself to receive all the truth that God has for us. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's tempting for all of us. Now, the Bereans were not only open-minded. Verse 11 says also they were diligent to examine. They were examining the scriptures, it says, to see if these things were so. Now, the word examining here is a legal term, which means to cross-examine. So here's what they were doing. They were hearing Paul's message, right, about Jesus and what, who Jesus is and, and what he has done. It was totally new to them. And what they were doing is they were comparing what Paul was saying to the Old Testament. It was the scriptures, the only Bible that they had at that time to see if what Paul was saying was actually true or just some nonsense that he was just making up, making up just shooting from the hip. There's plenty of that going around back then, plenty of that going around today. We learn so much from this. And so here's my encouragement to you. As you listen to me rant and rave up here, and, or you listen to your crowded house leader, or, or you listen to a, a, a podcast of, of any preacher or any teacher, or you read any blog online that's out there, my encouragement to you is that you need to compare what we say and what you hear to the scriptures. I don't care how charismatic the person is. I, I don't care how successful the person is. I don't care how big church, their church is. I don't care if they got millions of followers on, on their podcast or on their blog or whatever. Whoever it is, you need to take what they say. You got to compare it to scripture. Now here, I'm going to give you a resource this morning. Something that I think will be really helpful for you. If you don't have a, a study Bible, I want to encourage you to go out and get a study Bible this week. One of the best study Bibles you can get is the English Standard Version Study Bible by Crossway, the, the ESV. And you can get one on Amazon for a new one for less than 30 bucks, gently used one for less than 18 bucks. They got hard copies, but they also have nice leather ones. But the cool thing is that it has explanations at the bottom of each page and cross-references and the cross-references in the New Testament will, all, will often lead you to the Old Testament and vice versa so you can compare Scripture with Scripture, and it helps you understand. And I'm telling you, if, if you dig into it this way, your learning experience will be so much greater than if you're just passively listening or passively reading and, and not digging into it at all. 
So I, I want you to know, whether you're a Christian or not, that Christianity is not about turning your brain off and mindlessly believing. We believe that God has revealed who he is through the scriptures and that the scriptures themselves invite us to examine them. So we believe that truth, if it is true, can stand up to all of our questions and all of our doubts. So here at this church, I mean, there are a lot of places, whether it be a Christian church or some other religion, where they say, how dare you doubt what we tell you, and then just shut you down, and maybe just, you know, excommunicate you somehow. Here, we want to invite you to ask questions. We want you to bring your doubts to us so that we can wrestle with them uh, together and, and learn together. Your questions are welcome here. Third, the reason they were diligent to examine the scriptures is because they were eager to learn. They made God's word their highest priority. I mean, not, not just because, you know, they were supposed to. I'm told I'm supposed to make my highest priority, so I guess I will. It wasn't like that. They saw the scriptures as the most valuable thing in the whole world. And verse 11 says that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. So this was not them just showing up to synagogue once a week or whenever they felt like it, if they didn't have anything better to do, and then maybe hoping to glean maybe some little nugget of truth or a little practical biblical insight that might, them, might make them have a better week that week. No, I mean, they devoured the word. It, it, it was, it, they cherished it. And so here's what I want us to do, all of us to do uh, this morning, including me. We need to ask ourselves, what is my attitude toward the scriptures? Is it, is it an eagerness to read it and to learn from it and to be changed by it? Or maybe we're just honestly intimidated by it. Or, or maybe it's apathy. It feels like a lifeless chore. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm so glad. Let me tell you a little secret. Preachers, whenever they have to preach on something, often the week before, they get challenged in it. It's just something God does. It, it's just crazy. I have to, I have to, like I remember, uh, Megan reminded me of this. I have to preach a sermon on love, and I get interrupted by my friends and family and, and kids and stuff, and, and my attitude is, leave me alone. I'm studying. I'm trying to get uh, my sermon on love done. Go away. You know? And so here I'm talking about God's word. And what I realized this week, you know, I'm talking about cherishing God's word. It's so easy for me to reduce the study of God's word. It's just nothing more than part of my job. It's just so, and that's just so lame. It is, it is, it's missing out. Here's the thing. You know what? Do you ever wish that God could just write you a letter or send you an email or, or wish he would just send you a, 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 a text or a Snapchat or whatever? He's already spoken to us. He's already communicated with us. He has given us his word and he talks to us through his word. 
I mean, this is the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe who loves us and he wants to communicate with us. And so we can know that here, this is God's word, he's talking to me. But then we still struggle, don't we? If we're honest. For me, I know that it helps when I read with somebody. And now for you, it could be your spouse, it could be your kid, it could be a friend. For a season, Tony Escobedo and I would meet in the mornings and we'd read together and pray together. I was so encouraged by that. It was so much better being done in community. And so here's my first challenge to all of us when it comes to um, God's word and valuing God's word and cherishing God's word and benefiting from God's word. Here's my first challenge. Read it. Read it. Take advantage of it. Soak in it. Meditate on it. Not, not as a legalistic thing, but as something that's, that's life-giving. I mean, if, if we cut off your food and your water and your oxygen, you'd shrivel up and die. If I told you you really need to breathe and eat and drink water, you wouldn't be like, back off me, bro, you're being legalistic. No, this is life-giving. Absolutely life-giving. So read it. I want us to know that God's word is the most valuable thing on, on earth. There's nothing more important. So if we see how valuable it is, I mean, if, if we know that if we get nothing else done during the day, at the end of the day, we'll be able to say, well, at least I read and I meditated on God's word today. I listened to him today. Now, I think most setbacks, when we have setbacks, it comes from not having a plan. And you have so many options. You have more options than you can shake a stick at, all right? You know, the ESV study Bible I told you about, they have a one-year calendar that you can go through. Um, you know, well, I told you last week about the Community Bible Reading Journal. You can find it on cbrjournal.com, and it walks you through the Bible in three years, but not just a reading plan, but as you pray through the scriptures, it's, it's interactive, and, it, and, it, it, and what it does is it guides you to focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for you. It's cbrjournal.com. Maybe, maybe you're intimidated by it and you'd be like, you'd be, you want to kind of ease into the water a little bit. Just one chapter a day. Maybe start in the book of Mark or something. And, and, and maybe all you can do right now, and I get it, is, you know, download a Bible app and they give you a verse of the day every day. And so maybe you just focus on that one verse and pray through it and meditate on it and revisit it, you know, throughout the day. And then on the next day, look up at the next one. Sometimes we can get so intimidated by it that we don't do anything at all. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, what a blessing it is. Also, I want you to know that uh, audio Bible, listening to an audio, that counts, all right? That totally counts. Don't feel like it doesn't go. Did you read your Bible though? No, I didn't. I just listened to it for an hour on my commute to Orange County whatever. That, that counts. The early church didn't have their own like leather bound, you know, ESV study Bible or whatever. They would listen to it being read to them. So that counts. Do what works for you. It's not a legalistic deal. It's a life-giving deal. And I'll explain more why later. So these are the characteristics of a learning church. What are the effects? What's the result? What's the fruit of a learning church? What would be the fruit here, if we grew in that, well, it builds our faith. 
As a result of the brain studying the word, verse 12 says this, that, that, that many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well and men. So a lot of them believed. One of the things the word does is, if you know the whole point of scripture and you don't lose sight of the, the scripture, is that it awakens our faith and strengthens our faith. Paul says in Romans 10 that, that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So maybe you can't believe you're at church today, your friend brought you to church, and you're not sure what you believe about the Bible or Christianity or Jesus, and, and you wish you had faith like your friend, uh, you know, but, but you're not sure where to find it. I want to encourage you to keep showing up, to keep listening, to keep reading, to keep, you know, in conversations with, with people uh, uh, about it. It is, it is through the word that faith comes to us and through the word that our faith grows. And I'm telling you, it's the same for Christians too. Every, you are so awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate I forgot my squeegee at, at home. Thank you, sir. So, where are we? Oh, yeah. So here's what Christ said. It, Christians, the same for Christians. Uh, who here needs, who, who here has all the faith they need? Who is so strong they don't need any more? We all need to be strengthened in our faith, right? We need our faith strengthened. What does Jesus say in Matthew 4 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, what this is telling us is that our souls long to feast on God's word. If I'm honest, there's times I'm more excited about feasting on carne asada tacos than I am the book of Lamentations. Okay, that's just the truth, right? But here's the deal. If we are not receiving God's word, we're not gonna survive. God wants to build up our faith to follow him and to love him and, and to love our neighbors. We are desperate to feed on his word. But also, it sends us out on mission. The whole reason Paul and Silas and Timothy are at Berea or any of these cities in, in the book of Acts is because they had been studying God's word. They were convinced that this word, what they had was a life-giving message and so it sent them out to share that word with other people who needed it because it was so life-changing for them. Verse 14 says, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. In other words, when Paul leaves, Silas and Timothy wanted to go with him because they loved him, they loved working with him, but they didn't because they knew that they needed to stay to keep teaching uh, the word. How are we doing with the lights, all right? You know, it's been about six months since the demons possessed our lights here. The church, we're on a pretty good roll. So, we, we've been talking about incorporating light show in the sermon just to keep people awake. We'll get a smoke machine and lasers next, next week. 
So Paul leaves two chapters later. We see that he sets up another learning community in Ephesus, and that becomes a church plant. And, and they read the word, and they reflect on it every day. And it says this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. All the residents of Asia? They did that without, um, without social media, without the postal service. They did that without like Twitter or Facebook. They, they did that without email campaigns. They, they did that without, you know, you know, preachers sending out, you know, their, their sermon live cast to different locations. How did all of these people hear the word? Michael Green, an early church historian, said that most people in the early church heard the word, not from the Apostle Paul or some other formal preacher or missionary, but from normal people like all of you. People who study the word and are being changed by it. People who share the truth and the love of Jesus and invite friends and, and family to meet Christ in a Christ-centered community to study God's word with them. That's how that happened. That's how the gospel went viral back then. And I think it's still the best way today. So my second challenge, my first challenge was read it. My second challenge is this. Invite someone to study the word with you. A friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, invite someone who doesn't go to church, but they seem like they might be interested in learning about Christianity or learning a little bit more about what you believe. Ask them to learn with you. And I'm telling you, when you do that and, and you're engaged with someone else and, and you're asking questions and you're wrestling with it together and you're, you're sharing your new insights together and you're praying together, man, I'm telling you, it, there's nothing boring about it, man. It, it just fires you up. And then you can't wait to, to, to come to, to service, to, to, to discuss it with others and to worship God for all of the wonderful things you learned about him and, and for his grace and for saving you. I mean, yeah, you can on your own. That's good. But my challenge is find somebody to read with. It's it, it just, it's a whole other dimension to it. I, I don't know what it looks like for you. Uh, maybe you, you invite someone to sit through a, 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 ma a message and ask what they thought about, uh, you know, the sermon and what, what confused them, what questions. And you know, just kick it around a little bit. Maybe invite them to read the Gospel of Mark and, and you each, you know, take notes of what raised questions and what you learned and compare notes. I, I can't encourage you enough to sign up for a crowded house today so that you have an opportunity to reflect on, on, God's, on God's word. That's one thing that you can do, and invite somebody to join you. Or maybe you're already hanging out with somebody. Maybe you have a regular rhythm where, where you're hanging out with someone to get coffee or, or what you already, somebody that you work with and you have downtime with, and you realize, actually, I'm already meeting with somebody once a week. Once a week. Maybe we can discuss the book of Mark or whatever. Or these Maybe we could talk about, have a more purposeful conversation here. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I want to encourage you to pray and look for the opportunities and take them. Our last point, the motivation of a hearing church. How are we going to get the desire to regularly dig into God's word? 
I mean, you know, one thing I could do is I could do a whole year, a, you know, a series, on a whole year on the benefits of, of, of digging into God's word and reading and meditating and, and never run out of, you know, benefits. The word makes us wiser beyond our years. It helps us resist temptation. It sets us free from what enslaves us. It gives us hope and a million other things. That could be motivating. But this morning, my encouragement to you is simple. If you want to have a desire for God's word, an enthusiasm for God's word, even during the times where you, where you don't and where it's difficult, then my encouragement to you is to pray for it. Pray for that desire. Just be honest. God, I don't have a desire for you. I don't know why, but I'm just telling you. Please give me a desire for your word. John Piper in his book, one of the greatest preachers, uh, he said, he wrote a book called When I Don't Desire God. And he says that when he doesn't desire God, uh, he prays these verses from the Psalms. In fact, we sang these verses this morning. Psalm 119, 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not towards selfish gain. God, I don't have a desire for your word. I don't have the the, the inclination, but God, I pray that you would give it to me, that you would give me the inclination. Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I might behold your wondrous things out of your law. Lord, I'm reading, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Open my eyes that I may behold your, your wondrous truth. And then, then it might even be a passage that you heard a million times, but then you say, God, please open my eyes. And then the light bulb goes on and you see something amazing that you never saw before. Or Psalm 86, 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. Lord, I have a desire for you and a desire for your word, but I'm also pulled in so many, a hundred different ways with a hundred different distractions, a hundred other worries and concerns. Would you give my heart, um, would you unite my heart to fear your name? And finally, Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Lord, as a result of reading your word, as a result of meditating on your word, as a result of studying it and hearing it or reading it, would you satisfy my heart and make me glad in a way that makes me want to do this more and more so that I would say, how could I ever miss a a day of this? Make me glad in you. I take comfort in the fact that the psalmist had to pray this and one of the greatest preachers of our time has to pray this. That means it's okay if we need to also. Praying and asking God for desire for his word is a prayer that he answers. And I think the greatest motivation we can have to study and meditate on the scriptures daily is when we remember that it helps us to know God, to experience God, and to glorify God. Nothing's more important than that. We, uh, here's what I... We often treat the scriptures like it's a textbook. And we're going to fail at understanding it or benefiting from it and so we want to just forget it. I walked in uh, 
I saw my daughter's chemistry textbook on her desk, and I got sick and had to leave. I hate textbooks. We, while some people study to collect facts and memorize stuff, that's not just why we're, that's not the main point. Don't just study to collect facts and memorize stuff to puff up our knowledge. And it's not just some rule book either. We study the scriptures because the main message of the Bible is that God is with us, God loves us, God wants to communicate to us so that our hearts will be full of worship to follow him. He wants to tell us who we really are because we forget all the time and we live like orphans as opposed to the sons and daughters of, of a God, our Father. He wants us to know who he is, to know what he has done for us, that even though he knew that, that we would go weeks or months without seeking him or loving him or reading his word or even being interested in it, that that he is still determined to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know that that he sent his son to be with us, to live a perfect life for us and then give us credit for that. One who would always meditate on God's word, one who would always respond to the temptation with God's word, one who is perfect and in his death he took all of the punishment that we deserve for all of our sin upon himself because he loves us. And then we find our greatest joy in worshiping him. That is our greatest motivation for reading God's word. There are plenty of Christians who miss the purpose for reading the word. To get puffed up in knowledge and get respect, possibly. Some people just like it for their biblical principles, for practical rules for living, or whatever. The Pharisees knew the, the scriptures backwards and forwards, and, and, and God says to them, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. There's so many people who know the scriptures who don't love or appreciate God at all. There are non-Christians I'm one particular author knows the Bible better than most Christians I know, and yet, and, and he teaches from it, and then all these people, are, all the Christians are like, look, he's a Christian. He's not. He doesn't believe that, that God became man, lived for us, and died for us, and rose again from, from the dead. The only reason he reads it is because he sees it as, as part of the evolution of, of mankind, that we, as to, to advance our own evolution, we made up, we made up these stories called the Bible because it gave us, you know, guidelines to follow for life so we could flourish as a species. Miss the whole point. God wants to communicate to us who Jesus is and what he's done for us so that we can have a relationship with him and, and glorify him. So, so, so that we could have uh, interaction with him, so that we can commune with him. You know, when, in the early 90s, I went to Thailand, and we didn't have access to computers back then. It was way back in the olden days, right? But we could drive into the city where there was a phone connected to a satellite dish the size of a spaceship. Before, we, before I went over, Shannon stayed home, and I went, and before we left, we put some money in savings just for the phone bill so we could talk to each other. 
and I couldn't wait till we drove into the city. When I was in Kenya, I could email with her. I'd spend a lot of time emailing back and forth. And that was, I couldn't wait until we got, until we were finished for the day and I could go back and email with her. I, I have a note for, uh, my daughter wrote for me years ago and uh, she left it for me on my desk and it simply says, you know, I love you, Dad. I still have notes from my wife encouraging me throughout the years. My son is away at Lineman College climbing telephone poles like a monkey with a tool belt. <laughs> and Shan had all of us write a note to him to let him know that we're thinking of him, that we're praying for him, that we're proud of him, that we love him. Jerry Rosa was part of uh, my church plant in South Bay. Inner city ministry kind of stuff was really difficult and he would regularly email me words of, of encouragement. I have a file in my email just called Jerry Rosa where I saved all those emails. Just yesterday, Jacob Ritchie was texting me just the truth of, of God and encouraged me through, through text. Here's the deal. Until we get to heaven... We're not going to see God face to face. So he gave us his word. It's his letter to us. And he's given us his Holy Spirit, the spirit that he gave the Bereans to, to help us see and understand that so, so that we could know him. And then the more that you see that all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is all about who Jesus is and what he has done. And, and when we live in light of that truth, then what happens is not only are you uh, filled with, with joy and courage, no matter what the world throws at you, but then you find yourself fearlessly sharing um, how it's impacting and change your life and changing your life and your heart with, with other people. You're, you're, not, you're not freaked out by that idea. You're just sharing your, your experience with people and pointing them to Jesus. If, if you're scared that if you're going to talk to people, people have questions, uh, you, know, you don't know if you're going to be able to answer the questions, you know, we're allowed to say, you're allowed to say, I don't know. In fact, they'd probably appreciate it instead of making up some nonsense. You go home, research, come back to them, and like, oh, wow, you cared, that you cared enough about me to research this question I had and come back to me, talk to me about it? Oh, and this has to do with who Jesus is? And what, oh, I'm telling you, that's rich. I mean, I, I, I wish I could force all of you to do that somehow so you can experience, you know, how awesome it is. But I'll just encourage you, all right? It happens best if you have a humble approach and, and, and your attitude is we're learning together. You know, I've seen people show up in our community totally skeptical of Christianity and, and even, you know, totally against it, but God kept bringing them back and connecting them to people who would talk about their faith. And over time, the word began to soften their hearts and to even their own surprise, they found themselves believing in Jesus and trusting Jesus and following Jesus. I want to encourage all of us, motivated not by guilt, but motivated by grace, 
to read the word, to listen to the word, to cherish the word. And, and read it through the lens of the gospel, all of it. Otherwise, you'll miss the point. It's all about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Read it on your own. Read it with other people. Devour it. See Jesus and his message in it from Genesis to Revelation. Talk about it with others and how it's changing you. And I'm telling you, it will fire you up. It will fire this church up. It will fill your heart with joy and humility and godly zeal. I'm telling you, God will become more real to you. He will. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?